So this morning, we are going to, this is going to be, a, I'm, I've, I'm excited for what we're heading into as a church. Um, I have never done this before. I, I mentioned that, um, I've kind of thrown it out there that we are going to be observing Lent as a church together. And uh, I, years ago, I, I felt compelled personally um, and drawn personally towards the practice of Lent. And then uh, as a youth pastor, I, I taught the youth on the subject. Um, most of them do not remember it, <laughs> but, but, a few, but a few do. So, um, but I've always wanted to do this together as a church. And so this morning is a bit of a preview of what we're going to be going into because the season actually officially starts on Wednesday. All right, Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season, and that's Ash Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, so today's going to be a bit interesting for you because it, it, I'm going to ask you some questions and maybe to raise your hand or not, just to kind of get a feel for the room as to what people's experience has been for this. And then um, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why, like why would we even look to do this? What is its purpose? Um, and just some key things to help you understand what Lent is about and how we're going to be approaching it as a church as we move into this season. So let me ask you first off, um, who thinks they have any idea as to what Lent is besides what is maybe on my sweater? Um, Okay, who's, who's ever practiced Lent within their church experience? Who has no idea what in the world or why we should do this? Who's not even awake? Because there was a lot of hands that just didn't even go up at all. I'm like, where is that group of people? I, 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 thought, I, I thought I got everybody in there, but apparently that's the, okay, all right. I have no idea then. That, that didn't help me at all. Um, Okay, <laughs> so let me start by this, okay? Why would we do, uh, and why would we follow a practice that, typically speaking, you see in a, a, a faith setting that is more liturgical um, than what we often represent within Canvas and that? Um, it comes back first and foremost to this. As we closed out our first year together in, in 2019, we talked over some things that I told you I didn't want to just be um, a, another teaching series or another study in that, but I felt like the Lord was doing work, deep work to establish uh, for us a rhythm and a, um, a way of practicing both out our daily, you know, like our individual lives, but then also who he wanted us to be as a community, as a faith community. One of the studies that we did was called Godspeed, where we talked about slowing down in order to catch up to where God is. How do I grow in my love for God and my love for others? How do I be more present before God in my everyday ordinary life and then as a result of that, I'm able to open up and be present before other people in my community. So that's a really great idea and a great concept. And I think we all jumped on board on it. I think we were like, yes, this is what I need in the midst of all my busyness and just feeling like 
the world comes over the top of me versus me really feeling like I have a grip on my world. Um, this is what I need. I got to slow down. I need more of God. I need to just be more at peace. The thing is, is that it's February, and, um, and February is a hard month. February is the month where everybody jumps off of their New Year's resolution um, because it's like, okay, I was all pumped going into the new year. I made some new goals for myself in that, um, but now it's February. It means it's like we're, we're, winter's dragging on. Um, I, you know, we keep getting teased about spring, and then all of a sudden it gets cold again in that. People are sick. Um, there's not a whole lot of holidays to look forward to anymore. We had Valentine's Day, but that's, that's rough for a lot of people. And so the reason why I think a lot of people jump off of their goals or their New Year's resolution, I should say, is because they have not, maybe they did actually take time to set goals, but then there was no process of training in order to accomplish those goals put in place. And so a lot of times in church, we talk about big ideas and great concepts that I think for the for the morning, we go, yes, this is what I need to do. Yes, I need to grow. Yes, I need to pray more. Yes, I need to read my word. Yes, I want to grow closer to God. But you don't hear about anything practical to put into place to help, live, help us live that out on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I personally don't want to live like that. I have lived like that. I don't want to live like that. I want to live my life and take the steps that I'm supposed to with purpose in the steps. Um, and, and, and that's what I desire to see happen for us as well. Um, Lent is all about us looking to put something into practice that will prepare us in advance to celebrate and to remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, oftentimes when it comes to holidays, we just roll into them. And Easter is not so much more and meant to be so much more in our lives than just a holiday, right? It is our life. It is our purpose for being. It is the thing that everything hinges upon. So it's, it's, it's not to be treated the same way we do. I, although it's funny, for other holidays like Halloween or I don't know, I, I feel like we put more preparation and time into that going into, you know, you know, like some, some people are already thinking about what they're going to dress up with. They've already decided who they're going to, you know, what they're going to what their costume is going to be for October. All right. So there's already prep. We do prep in our minds, but Easter, we'll just roll right into. So Lent was the idea that this thing is too important in our world to just roll into, but we need preparation. We need to prepare our hearts in advance so that it's open to celebrate and understand the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, I think I, I touched on this last week. Um, the, the thing that is at the core of Lent, though, is for us to have self-examination. For us to look into our own hearts and lives, it goes counter to a message that is running through our culture right now, which is, you're okay, I'm okay, let's just all be okay. Um, Now, a lot of times when people say that, 
what they are really trying to indicate is that you have value and I have value. And even if we have differing opinions or you don't like what I do, you know, and that we should still love and mutually respect one another. I get on board fully with that idea. But the danger in the you're okay, I'm okay is, is big. It really, really is. To believe that that is true negates any need for a savior. It just does. There's no need for Jesus. There's no need for the cross, for his death or his resurrection if I can just justify my behavior and my actions out to a point that says, I'm all right. I haven't, I, you know, like, like when you're parenting and you're, you're trying to, um, you're trying to figure out who broke something and everybody's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I, I you know, it's not me, not me, you know, and that we kind of do that as a culture. This idea leads us to that concept of, I haven't done anything wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Which the reality of the gospel is only true if we understand that we have violated God's design for our lives. We have made choices that have gone against him. We have demonstrated rebellion. And we do on, a, on almost a daily basis. Um, and that's called sin. If we don't contend with our own sin then we can never fully embrace the gospel and understand it and understand the power of it and be changed by it. So that is a bit of the purpose of, of why we are looking at, at, at towards Lent. The reality is, is that sin is easily perceived in our world by anyone who cares to open their eyes. Like we can clearly see in, um, demonstrations through government, through business, through social systems that we live in a corrupt society, right? We can point it out. It's really easy to do. Am I, can you still see me? Is that cool? Okay. Um, but what isn't very easily perceived is uh, our own inner corruption. We don't like to shine the light on that. Real easy for us to have opinions and project those opinions and those ideas out on our social platforms and all of that to talk about what is wrong, what is broken, and what needs to happen to fix everybody else. Everything else and everybody, else, everybody else's life. Because we like to comment on everybody else's life too, right? And shine the light on them that. But our own self-awareness to our own brokenness is something that I think is often overlooked we deceive ourselves into believing that we're okay, especially because we like to measure against, there's always somebody that you can measure against and go, well, based on that dude, I am okay. I mean, have you, I'm, I'm the only one that's done that? I don't think I'm the only one that's done that. Um, so sin is often seen for us as an external problem. It's an out there thing instead of an internal problem. Thing. Put another way, injustice and immorality are easy to spot in the world. But during the season of Lent, the gospel calls us to spot injustice inside ourselves. 
So the, the Lenten season, it turns our face towards the mirror. And it, it takes our pointing finger from out here to turning it around towards us, towards the brokenness within us. So that is, um, that's a bit of the purpose of why we'd look to do this. Um, I know that I personally have been trying to change some things, a lot of different th things within myself, um, and put practices in place that are going to help me grow. One of those things that I had mentioned before is that, I, I, I mean, I haven't run seriously for probably seven years. Every once in a while, in that seven-year gap of time, I'd run out there and I would just crank through like three miles and go, yep, I can still do it. And then I'd go eat a hamburger um, and just be done for like another three months <laughs> until I felt like I needed to prove it to myself that I could run three miles again. That's not the same thing as training for a goal. Um, and my goal ultimately, is, even through running, is spiritual connection with God. Because um, for me, that's a big part of running for me. I feel more connected to him. But it's really hard. I don't do well without a plan. When I don't have a plan, then I do okay. I can will myself forward for a little bit. And then uh, eventually I fall off uh, and I go, I'll get back on the next day. But then you have two or three consecutive days where you don't get on. Then you're like, well, now we're just screwed. And so you don't want to do it at all, and you just, you're just done. Um, I know that if I'm going to change my future, I've got to do something different with my present, with today. My deep desire for us in this place, for each one of you, is for you not to spin thoughts in your mind about change and then keep going back to that place year after year, and there's been no movement in your world. So I've prayed a lot as your pastor about what kind of tools and resources can, I, can, can we grab hold of together that maybe wouldn't take a lot of time out in your day, but if you would do it on a daily basis, could have pretty profound impact on your life. Because sometimes I think we think that change is something that, you know, like we're like, there's no way. This is, what I, this is where I want to be, and it's just, it would take something huge to make that happen. I, I argue that. I actually think it's the little things that we do consistently every day that start to move that needle and move us towards true life change. Living intentionally and having good intentions are totally different things. There are a lot of people, and myself included, who have really good intentions about life. But the follow-through of that, of what things we put in place so that those intentions can actually be realized, that's where hard work, that's where the hard work really comes into place. I like this quote. Running with purpose means knowing where you want to go and then developing a plan for getting there. And then this one as well. Purpose refers to the ultimate destination. Goals are the hoped-for results for each of the segments on that journey. Let me repeat that one time. Purpose refers to our ultimate destination. 
Goals are the hope for results for each segment along that journey. This all comes back to a scriptural context. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27 says this. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I love that terminology because anybody who, you know, it, like our fight club guys and gals or whatever can, can imagine that. You know, like you don't want to just punch at the air aimlessly. All right, I'm not just shadow boxing, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, what it should, not what it wants to do. Like I'm not a slave to my body and my own desires, but I train it to do what it was designed to do, what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Meaning like, how do I get a voice to talk about the way in which the gospel has changed my life if I really don't lead by that example. If it hasn't changed me first, then how do I have the power and the voice to preach to anybody else without being disqualified? Does that make sense? So, okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive now into the background on Lent. Before we do that, I want to preview one of the resources that we're going to use. First off, um, if, you, uh, if you don't have Church Center on your phone, please do get that onto your phone. You can do it right now. Just go into the Android or App Store and, and looking for uh, My Church Center and then uh, putting in your zip code and it'll pull up a list of churches. You'll see Canvas's logo and you click on that, that gives you access to mobile giving, that gives you access to groups, it gives you, um, and, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I've created a group for our Lent season. And the reason why I created a group for that is because within our groups, you can access resources. So I had created a group, I put a whole bunch of resources for you as an individual and as a family for you to utilize for this 40-day period going into Easter. And I'm going to explain some of those to you today. One of them that we are going to utilize is called the Lent Experience. And I just want to, this video will best explain what this is. So let's take a look at it together. Ashes on foreheads, giving something up for 40 days. Fish on Fridays. What's this Lent stuff all about? There are some of us who grew up observing Lent, but may have never really understood the meaning behind it. There are others of us who have no idea what Lent is or why we should even care. The Lent experience was designed to bridge those two worlds. It all started as a small project in 2013 when we wondered, what happens when you take the best of 2,000 years of a Christian tradition, capture the heart of it, and reimagine it? Whether you're a veteran of observing Lent or a rookie who's just jumping in for the first time, you can join thousands of people from all over the world for an experience that just may surprise you. The Lent experience is exactly that, an experience for normal people like you and me. It's not just more teaching. It's not just more information. It's not some stuffy religious obligation. It's an invitation to do something different because as the saying goes, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You can listen to 100 teachings about these things, or 
you can step in and experience them for yourself in a simple, fun, and meaningful way. So here's how it works. All you need is access to the videos, which you've obviously found, and a participant journal. The videos can be found on both Right Now Media and the Ride the Ferris Wheel YouTube channel. There's a link provided to purchase participant journals on the page where you found this video. And there are quantity discounts available because the Lent experience is often utilized by individuals, groups, and entire churches. You watch a video on Ash Wednesday that sets the whole thing up. Then, that following Sunday and every Sunday until Easter, you watch a brief video that gives you your Lent experience challenge for the week. You have the entire week to complete the challenge. And the challenges are based on things that have been a part of Lent for centuries. The participant journals have lots of great information about Lent, the liturgical calendar, space to write your thoughts and prayers, and extra insights and information each week that will help you accomplish your Lent experience challenge for the week. It's that easy. You simply watch a brief video and then use your participant journal to accomplish that week's challenge. My name is Eric Ferris, creator and your host for the Lent experience. I hope you'll join us. So the videos that he, that video and the videos he's referencing. What? Oh, sorry. Uh, Nat was letting us know that under groups, if you have the, the Church Center app on your phone, you can find that group under seasonal groups. Okay, so if you've never been or you have subscribed to a few groups like you're in the foodies group or the women's Bible study or whatever, you can also look to see of other groups that you have yet to subscribe to. This is under the category of seasonal. All right, and then you'll find that. Um, in there, there are resources. Um, all these videos are listed on there. So each week for the Lent season, there's the video there, um, and it'll say like week one, what? It is true. I've already checked it. So if you, if you, if you didn't do it, you didn't do it right. All right. Um, so, um, okay. Anyways, um, all right. So the resources are there. Um, and I'm going to go through some of the other resources that you'll find there as well. Okay. So how did Lent start? Originally, Good Friday and Easter were observed as actually a single festival of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And from very early times, this probably included, for the people who are celebrating this, a fast. A fast that was kept before the celebration leading into, leading into that festival. If you trace it back as far as you can, you can find evidence as early as 200 AD, or AD 200. And it, it's, uh, if you go all the way back to that, you're going to see that there was a season of preparation for Easter. In the following centuries, as it, as it evolved into a, uh, a season, it evolved into a season of instruction for new Christians to be baptized on Easter. Um, the idea of fasting as a form of preparation, it, it it traces itself back to the book of Mark, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. There's uh, the scripture that Jesus makes this statement um, where he says, The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. 
So how they observed the fast and how many days, it varied from church to church. But the Church of Jerusalem was perhaps the first church to actually observe a Lenten fast of 40 days, as early as maybe the 4th century. How this has now morphed throughout history, that's kind of interesting. Different branches of Christianity have observed Lent in different ways. What's most important for us to remember, no matter what your faith background is or if you don't have one and you have no clue um, about this practice, is that what has remained most consistent about Lent is that it's a period of time of preparation, preparing our hearts for Easter. And that preparation period often um, involves some of the following practices. Uh, repentance, which we'll, we're going to be talking more deeply about these things, but repentance or, or sorrowful reflection over our sinfulness, fasting um, or self-denial to remind us to be dependent upon God, um, almsgiving. How often do you hear that phrase? We're giving alms or almsgiving, right? And uh, almsgiving has so much more to do than just giving of like your money or your tithes. We'll talk more about that. But it's really about refocusing our, our compassion and our care outwardly to those around us. So Lent actually is a, it's an Anglo-Saxon, it's a Germanic word for spring, Okay. And in describing the season before Easter, it, it eventually replaced a Latin word that I'm going to screw up called quadragesima. Ah, that sounded pretty good. Um, quadragesima, all right? Quadragesima, mean, I should stop saying it, though. <laughs> um, it means 40 days. I was like, I said it once. Let's just say it six times. Um, this occurred... This occurred in, in the uh, AD 1300s when local languages, local languages began to be used more and more in the church instead of Latin across all the churches. So as that happened, as the local languages became predominantly used, the term was changed to this Anglo-Saxon term uh, or word of Lent, which means spring. Here's a good question. Um, have you ever heard of the liturgical calendar. Who in here, just, you can raise your hand. Only because I've said it. Okay, great. Well, what in the world is the liturgical calendar? And anybody who is familiar with the liturgical calendar, have you noticed that there are different types of liturgical calendars? That they can vary. Well, it, okay, if you didn't, that's fine. I'm going to explain why. The answer to, to why there are different liturgical calendars and what they are is, first off, this calendar is man-made. i make that really, really clear. It's a man-made tool that was developed to help people focus on different things about Jesus during different seasons of the year. So it embraces the fact that we have seasons, not just seasons that affect our weather, but seasons in life, too. And I think we can all agree we understand that. And, and so the liturgical calendar was meant to be, and, and that's what we're talking about a lot about, what original purpose and then what purpose we're going to bring from it today. 
um, original purpose of liturgical calendar was embracing and recognizing that we need to stay focused uh, throughout the year upon Christ. And in order to do that, we need help and tools to keep us on track with that because there's so much distraction in our world. This is centuries ago that this was developed. You think much has changed to the present in the way of our distractedness? I think it's gotten even greater. And so if there was ever a need for us to return to some ancient practices, recognizing the need for focus, I would say it is now. So the important thing to remember um, about each section of the, litur- of the liturgical calendar is it's, it's meant to help us focus on different things. So we have um, celebrated Advent in here. Advent is part of that. Advent is his coming. Christmas, his birth, Epiphany, his life, and Lent, his death, Easter, his resurrection, and Pentecost, his Holy Spirit. Okay? That, in a nutshell, is the liturgical calendar, to focus on those aspects of Christ. Forty is a common number of days for preparation in Scripture. We see it in the story of Moses, 40 days on Mount Sinai, receiving the the, the covenant, the Ten Commandments from God. It rained 40 days and 40 nights when Noah was on the ark, although he spent over a year on that thing. Um, Another another time, another study. Jonah gave the people of Nineveh 40 days to repent, and Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting when he was tempted by Satan. There's nothing magical about the number 40. It just makes sense to use it for something that's preparatory, like Lent. Or, yeah. So, this Wednesday is known as Ash Wednesday for people who practice Lent. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, again, Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. Ash Wednesday's church services are normally designed to help us focus on the realities of our own mortality, our own sinful nature. It's, it's understanding and going back to that idea, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I am not immortal, even though I live in a culture that oftentimes tells me and acts like I am going to live forever. Um, we're not going to live forever. Even though we are constantly faced with death, for whatever reason, we still don't get that. We still live life like time is something that we've been promised. And we just have it in excess and surplus. Those aren't true things. Ash Wednesday helps us to focus on our mortality. You're like, dude, that's, that's dark. So we're supposed to think about our own death? Yeah. Bible talks about how, and I'm paraphrasing here, but how there's a lot more useful things extracted from a funeral than there is a wedding when it comes to really reflecting. We need to understand both from dust we came and in dust that we will return. And then also um, to understand and, 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 and let come into focus the idea that I am broken. I'm not okay. And the harder I try to put that kind of shell over the top of me to say that I'm okay, the worse I'm getting. 
and the more I'm deteriorating inside until I'm able to contend with my own brokenness and be honest with myself of who I am. I will never truly be able to embrace God's love for me. I'll truly never be able to understand it. The fact that we were still enemies of God, he sent Jesus for us. How can you understand the power of that if I'm good and you're good and it's all good? So um, a lot of times in the Catholic church as well as others, the ashes are made from burning the palm branches that were used in the Palm Sunday service the prior year. All right, that's where the ashes come from. And then on an Ash Wednesday service, um, the, the priest or the pastor um, would place ashes on the forehead using their thumb and doing the, the, the sign of the cross. Um, as a reminder, again, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are God's creation and we will one day die. Um, the sign of the cross reminds us of the eternal life that is found only through the cross of Jesus. And then many Christians, they actually leave those ashes on their forehead throughout the day as a sign of humility before God. Okay? Ash Wednesday is a time for us to reconsider the sins of the world and our own personal sin as well. Now, we aren't I'm not planning for us to have an Ash Wednesday service on, on uh, this next Wednesday. We might do that in the future. What I want to encourage you to do, though, is to take time out on Wednesday. There is a video that corresponds with Ash Wednesday for you to look at. And, um, and, and, and for you to take time to reflect on what we just talked about, that I am a created being. I am created by God but, one, but I am not immortal. But because of the cross, I have been redeemed from sin. And because of that, and because of Jesus alone, not because of my good works, but because of what he has done for me, he conquered death. And so there is this thing called eternal life. Um, all right, let me, let me move through the rest of this relatively quickly. What are you giving up for Lent? This is a question that gets asked because anytime you talk about Lent around somebody, they're normally talking about or uh, they will indicate what they've given up. Abstinence is giving up something good. Fasting normally um, involves food, um, but not always, and is a big part of Lent. Many, many people who observe Lent do two things. First, they give up something that they take pleasure in, uh, for the entire season, and second, they fast certain foods or certain meals on certain days during Lent. Reducing Lent, though, to just being a time period of 40 days where we give something up as an act of willpower completely, completely misses the point. This is why some uh, churches started to move away from Lent and say, I just think that that's all a man-made thing and we're not doing that anymore because it just seems like it's all, it, it, you know, it's, it's all about just giving up something, and um, it's all uh, about our willpower. It's not. In fact, the only reason to give up anything is about what you're gaining in replacement of that, all right? When you are giving up a meal, you are meant to replace 
that desire, when you're feeling that desire for hunger or you're feeling that desire for pleasure of something that you've given up, you're supposed to then allow your mind and your thoughts to, to focus upon Christ and that he can fill that gap or that hole, that Jesus is truly enough. He is our source. So fasting is a very helpful spiritual discipline. It's definitely included in the Lent experience, but it's, it's part of a larger whole. Um, I, I'm not going to really jump into the whole no, uh, eating no fish on Fridays. That is definitely um, more rooted in Catholic practice in that. Um, and that was the idea of giving up meat. Um, it's Lutheran too. What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, only eating fish on Fridays. Yes, thank you for correcting me on that. No meat on Fridays. They could eat fish. So that's why you'll see... Um, certain restaurants and menus will advertise that um, and get a lot of fish because they get a lot of business on Fridays. So, um, so I, I, but I'm not going to dive all into that. Um, I already told you a little bit by why some people have a problem with Lent, and that has to do with the fact of anything that we practice that we've lost the reason for, the purpose for it. That isn't something, that's something that we oftentimes in the evangelical world, we dog the liturgical churches for. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I, I have, uh, you know, I grew up in church, and I've been a pastor for over 20 years in full-time ministry. Evangelicals are just as guilty of empty practice as those in the liturgical background. We are. Anything that we do and we've lost sight of why we've done it is become empty, period. So I don't care what it looks like. It's just it's easier to target uh, other faith practices because they've been doing it for centuries, right? We're like, well, come on. I mean, that pageant that we put on every year, yeah, why do we do that? I don't know, but we always do that. We got to get the donkeys and we got to get the, you know, and that. I mean, that's just what we do in that. Um, but why? I don't know. We just do. That's religion. That's empty. It's just empty practice. So um, that has been one of the reasons why people have had problems with Lent, but there's been a return for a lot of people, myself included, drawn to um, going back to a rhythm of life that I think will help us not keep going around the merry-go-round year after year, wanting and saying and verbalizing that we want growth in our lives spiritually, but then never seeing the needle move. All right? We need to do something different today if we want to see a different response tomorrow in our lives. One of the great ways of reflecting on Lent um, is... When I think of somebody who had self-awareness in Scripture, self-awareness and then complete and total trust and reliance upon God was somebody who in the Old Testament was known as a man after God's own heart, and that would be David. We're talking about somebody who did not live, he was not labeled that way because he lived a perfect life. In fact, his life was a mess. His life was a mess, all right? He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. After he committed adultery, he set up the husband of the wife to be murdered on purpose. Um, 
As a result of that, his family was a total nightmare and dysfunctional. His son tried to rebel against him. He had to go in and out of hiding at different points in time. But he was a man after God's own heart, and it's because David knew and had a, 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 a true awareness of who he was and who God was. And he didn't hold anything back. So when he spent time before the Lord, he just simply laid it out there for what it was. And, and that meant the anger, the sorrow, the happiness, the joy, the worship, the, the where are you, the, all of it. In Psalm 31, and I'm going to read through this, and this is, um, this is as we kind of close up today. Psalm 31 is a great example of, of looking at David's heart and his reflection upon the Lord. After I read this psalm, we're going to watch something, and I, I'm showing you this video because we're going to be, these videos will be incorporated into our worship experience um, for Lent. Um, but Psalm 31 says this, I run to you, God. I run for dear life. Don't let me down. Take me seriously this time. Get down on my level and listen, and please, no procrastination. Your granite cave, a hiding place. Your high cliff, airy, a place of safety. You're my cave to hide in. And David was literally writing this from a cave and from hiding. You're my cliff to climb. Be my safe leader. Be my true mountain guide. Free me from hidden traps. I want to hide in you. I've put my life in your hands. You won't drop me. You'll never let me down. I hate all this silly religion, but you, God, I trust. I'm leaping and singing in the circle of your love. You saw my pain. You disarmed my tormentors. You didn't leave me in their clutches, but you gave me room to breathe. Be kind to me, God. I'm deep in deep trouble again. I've cried my eyes out. I feel hollow inside. My life leaks away, groan by groan. My years fade out in size. My troubles have worn me out, turned my bones to powder. To my enemies, I'm a monster. I'm ridiculed by my neighbors. My friends are horrified. They cross the street to avoid me. They want to blot me from memory. Forget me like a corpse in a grave. Discard me like a broken dish in the trash. The street talk gossip has me criminally insane. Behind locked doors, they plot how to ruin me for good. Desperate, I throw myself on you. You are my God. Hour by hour, I place my days in your hands, safe from the hands, safe from the hands out to get me. Warm me, your servant, with a smile. Save me because you love me. Don't embarrass me by not showing up. I've given you plenty of notice. Embarrass the wicked. Stand them up. Leave them stupidly shaking their heads as they drift down to hell. Gag their loud mouth li those loudmouth liars who heckle me, your follower, with jeers and catcalls. What a stack of blessing you have piled up for those who worship you. Readying, waiting for all who run to you to escape an unkind world, you hide them safely away from the opposition. As you slam the door on their oily, mocking faces, you silence the poisonous gossip. Blessed God, 
His love is the wonder of the world. Trapped by a siege, I panicked. Out of sight, out of mind, I said. But you heard me say it. You heard and you listened. Love God, all you saints. God takes care of all who stay close to him. But he pays back in full those arrogant enough to go it alone. Be brave. Be strong. Don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. Now, that's the message paraphrase of Psalm 31. But I love the, the rawness and the complexity of emotion that is poured out by David there. As we wrap up today, here's what I want you to know and come away with. Again, I said I want to give you practical tool, tools that you can practice in your everyday ordinary lives to see growth towards God and towards others. The Lent experience for us is going to be one of those things. Um, some of the other resources that you will find if you join that group, um, I've mentioned this before, there is an app that I've been using in my life since the beginning of the year called Pray As You Go. There is a link to that application. Actually, there's a link to the website. So if you don't want to use your phone, fine. You can just use your computer and go to it and do the devotional um, through your computer. But the computer will also tell you that there's an app that you can get for your phone. Pray As You Go. Um, there is a playlist. Uh, I found and have been listening to a Lent playlist that I think is really good. It incorporates a really cool mix of music of both modern and ancient in that, and I like it a lot. I encourage you to do that. The songs are purposefully picked to help in these areas that we're talking about, to help us reflect inwardly on who we are and then who God is. And, and um, so that's there. Uh, if there's, it's a Spotify playlist. Um, there's also um, a, a video link to uh, something called the Bible Project, which we've utilized in here before. Specifically, what I wanted to do is these are video resources that if you're like, okay, you, you know, part of this is about studying God's Word, um, and we're going to talk about that through the 40 days. Some people really question about how to do that. I don't know how I should go about studying God's Word and Scripture. I, I struggle with that. Um, I, th these are tools and resources that could help you, help your kids, and that about how to view the Scripture, how to look at the Bible, the way the Bible is constructed. They're short videos. Um, there's a whole series of them, and it's just something I wanted to put into your hands to help you to grow in that. Uh, lastly, I, um, I don't know that I put a link on this, but we've mentioned it. So the, the women are going to start on Wednesday using this journal called the Lexio Divino journal, Divina Journal. And um, it's, it's a journal that helps you move through the scripture and reflect upon it. And, um, and it also incorporates uh, something else that we've discussed in here, which is the daily or weekly in this journal, Examine, which is to take time to pause and to reflect upon where am I weak, where am I day, have I felt close to God, far from God, where do I feel like I have succeeded in living out my life following Christ, and where have I failed? And then asking and praying God into that next week, into that next day, into that next moment. Um, 
I say praying God into it. God's there. It's really about you opening your heart and inviting him into those meetings, into those decisions, into those things that are stressors and weighing on you that you're wanting to say, God, I want you to be actively uh, part of my life, uh, my everyday, ordinary life. All right. As we close, let's take a look at, that's a lot of stuff. Was that a lot of stuff? All right. Um, Let's look at this as we close out our service this morning. God, how far down? How far down do I need to go? My soul is at rock bottom. I know what I did. And the worst part, I knew what I was doing. And I still did it anyway. I won't pretend. I won't make excuses. I have left a trail of tears and pain behind me. They didn't deserve it, God. It was my fault. The shrapnel from my explosion shouldn't hurt them. I've wronged you, God. I've taken the trust you put in me. I've taken the love you gave to me and threw it all away like it meant nothing to me. I'm sorry, God. Your love is everything to me. And yet, all I feel is empty. Please, God, don't take your presence away. Pick me up from this muddy pit that I dug and drop me into a pool of clean water. I need this dirt washed from me. I need to swim from the bottom and break through to the surface. A new person. I want to be new, God. I will leave my baggage at the bottom. You can give me a new start. I will be a servant of the living God. Remember, we are not the artists, we are the canvas. God is working in our lives to create something new. And um, as your pastor there, my heart is compelled that we don't stay in the same place that we are, that we find ourselves in this moment. Yes, that we are fully accepted, and yes, we are in an environment where God takes us as we are in our brokenness, but he loves us too much to leave us there. You understand? He wants to move us into something new, and so I understand that that is at the core of what I, why I believe this is good for us, and I'm excited for it. A lot of times, Lent is something that people aren't excited about. 
Um, I really am because I, I am for myself because I know it's going to bring about change in me. I truly believe that. And I truly believe it will for you too. So let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that in no way you have given up on us. Your faithfulness is un unlimited. Your love is unbounding. It, God, you... You care so much for us, enough that you do not desire us to stay in a place of brokenness. But God, you desire and you are the only one who can truly rescue us from the pit. I pray that, God, that we would take time to, uh, to reflect this week upon your goodness upon the fact that we are created by you. You breathe life out of the ashes and out of the dust, and to dust we will return. We are not immortal, and we're not okay. And that puts us in a place of need for a Savior. And the gospel is the good news that one came and one has come to deliver us and his name is Jesus if there's no sin there's no gospel and there's no good news to speak of God we have to face the reality of our own of, of our own decisions and the consequences of those decisions and the way in which sin has created broken places in our hearts then and only then can we receive your forgiveness can we receive healing? Can, God, this picture that you are desiring, this masterpiece, God, only then can that masterpiece be realized when we put ourselves before the reality of who you are. And you love us so much, God. Thank you for each and every person here. Thank you, God. I truly believe that in looking to put these things into practice, not just talking about the desire for something, but doing something today to live that out. We will see incredible change happen in our lives. And then you will use that to change the lives of those around us. Change the view that we see around us. God, we love you today and we thank you for the truth of your word the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for hanging in there. Have fun processing all that.